0: good to have you here today we have some particularly special things to look at in the word of God here today I trust will be a help to you I know they have been of help to me but what are you desiring to receive that so far your faith has not produced in your life is there something a healing a provision financial need a breakthrough in your business or your job It seems like many believers have something that they know that the Word of God has promised them, but they haven't quite walked in it. Much like Israel wandering around the wilderness and Abraham and Sarah remaining childless for so many years. How do we close that gap? How do we get to the place where we receive the thing that we're believing for? Like Israel did, like Abraham did, like Sarah did, and so many others. This morning we're going to take a look at a parable that we have looked at many times. Probably one of my favorite parables, probably my favorite parable. There is so much to be learned from this, and though we're not going to cover the entire parable, we're really going to focus in on one particular type of soil, though we will look at two. And see how we can unlock this fact that there's something in our life that we just haven't quite received. How many would say that there's something in your life you have not received? You know that the Word of God has promised it to you, but you haven't received it yet. If you'll turn over in Luke chapter 8, verse 4. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to Him from every city, He spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and thorns sprang up with it and choked it, but others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes to take away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. When anyone hears, we'll, that's, we'll stop right there. On that way, that's um. The first two types of soils. The first one is trampled, and the birds come and eat it. And the second one, it's a stony soil or rocky soil, and the roots can't take. In Matthew chapter thirteen, in verse nine, he's going to read this particular soul this way when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart this is he who receives seed by the wayside in Mark chapter 4 verse 15 the same verse would read and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts So in Luke's gospel we have that it was trampled and the birds ate it. And the other ones says that Satan comes and snatches away what's in their heart. So it would seem that this snatching away that the enemy does is done through birds that would eat it and people that would trample it. The reason that they can do it is because of a lack of understanding. So the first thing I wanted to cover with you is when I understand when I understand how understanding comes I am less apt to lose what I've got. Now if I were to tell you how does understanding come you might have to think on that a little bit. I'm going to give you three things and I'm going to call these handles. You can write that in your outline right there if you want to. These are three handles for you to grab hold of understanding. Three handles. Actually, we'll get to them in just a, just a minute. But when I understand how understanding comes, this is there's going to be some benefits here for us. First off, I am better prepared to receive it. If I understand how understanding comes, I will be better prepared to receive it. I will be better prepared to pursue it. Because understanding is pursued. It will come to you. And third, you'll be better prepared to defend it. Three things. If I understand how understanding comes. I'm better prepared to receive it, better prepared to pursue it, and better prepared to defend it. Now, there's three ways. There are three handles, whichever you want to, you want to do. Sometimes handles just, you know, give us more of a visual there. The first one I think you all know. Three ways understanding comes. First way is through revelation. I put in parentheses, or enlightenment. Revelation or enlightenment. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And that was the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, But my Father in heaven, the first way that understanding will come is revelation from God, where He reveals it to you. That's probably our most well-known, our probably most uh, accepted way of understanding coming. That God speaks revelation to us, and all of a sudden, beyond our head, we have revelation. I understand what it is that God is saying to me that doesn't come just because you want it it comes because you pursue it and there's examples in the word of God Daniel was one he he pursued understanding on things of the end times and revelation was given to him and other people have been given the same thing so this is probably the most expected and the most looked for way but there's two other ways in which understanding can come two other handles this one you might not think of quite as much This one is perspective, or how I look at it. If you can just get your perspective on an issue to change, your understanding of that matter will change as well. How many of you have ever had a a discussion, maybe we might say an argument, with someone that you love and care for, family member? And you are looking at it from your viewpoint And you cannot understand why this person is being so unreasonable. Because in your viewpoint, it's quite clear that this is the way it should go. And then all of a sudden, something is said, or somehow you gain understanding of another perspective. Oh, that's how you're seeing it. And suddenly the light turns on. Have you had that happen before? Your perspective on it changed. As long as I am locked in on one perspective, my understanding won't change on that topic. It's when we have to, to change the, uh, our, 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 our perspective on it, how I'm looking at it. Brother Hagin used to put it to us this way. He said, you know, one person describes a, a doctrine one way, another person describes it another way. He said, uh, they're not both, not one wrong, one's right. He says, a lot of times what happens is like if, if you're on a mountain and you're climbing a mountain, and if you climb up one side of the mountain and you look out over the horizon, you see one thing. But if you climbed up the other side of the mountain, you, you're climbed up the same mountain, but you're looking in a different direction. And your perspective would be different. What you're describing is true, but it's not the same thing as the other person sees. Now, we just had a, a case of this in our own, our own, um, our own life in that uh, we were sitting at a restaurant and a um, little girl dropped something that was very dear to her. And she was going to, before we left, going down there and underneath the table. I mean, you all know when you're a kid, underneath the table is one of the best places to be. I don't know what it is, but we just love being underneath the table. And every possible excuse we can find, they like to go underneath the table and check things out. Of course, I always have a flashlight with me, so they can take the flashlight underneath there. And so this particular thing was lost, or just fell underneath the table. And so I gave her the flashlight. And she went down underneath the table to find it. That was at the end of the, um, it was the end of the meal. It was just a little diner that we were at, and uh, uh, we were we were getting ready to go home. And so she went down there to find it. And so the the pressure is on now because you know she really wants this, and the desire is there to find it. This is something that she likes. She just got it. And she needs to, to find this, this little piece. So she's down there and she's looking for it and she has the light out there and she is looking all over for this particular little piece. It's a small piece, but, and she can't find it and she's starting to get a little upset. I can't, I can't find it and we have to go. And so I looked down from where I was sitting and I saw it. Now she is down closer than I am and she's got the flashlight and she is actually shining it right on the piece. But you see, what happened with that little piece was it got underneath the table leg. And from her perspective, it completely blocked her view of it. But from my perspective, I could see it clearly. And as soon as I looked down underneath, I said, oh, it's just over there. And when I pointed to it, she reached over it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) She, She found it and she got it. You see, it was just perspective. She didn't lack the understanding of where it was because she didn't want it. She didn't lack it because of a lack of desire or an intensity of going after there to find it. She even had a light source. All those things were present, but she couldn't find it because her perspective had to change. See, sometimes that's where we are. Our perspective on it has to change. I've got a certain perspective of how this will be. You'll find this particularly happening in the area of healing. Many times people believe I will be healed and they have a certain perspective and a certain way it's going to be done. You'll notice that in the Word of God when Naaman came to the the prophet and he wanted to be healed of his leprosy. He desired to be healed. He came prepared to be healed. He came prepared to do great things to be healed. And the prophet said, go wash in the Jordan River. And he had to be talked into that. Because his perspective was, that river's not very clean. Why should I go in that river and wash? Why not go into one of our rivers that is cleaner? And the, the servant had to talk to him and say, hey, if he had told you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? All he said was, go wash and be clean. And so he went out there and he did it. Then he was clean and you'll find other examples of this as well our perspective needs to change this is sometimes one of the most difficult things for people to do because we get so locked into our perspective I can't see outside of myself or outside of the way that I'm looking at this no, 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 this is right I'm right on this and my perspective is actually a selfish one but I don't see it as such And because of it, I'm blocked from going this direction. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 8, just uh, one verse out of this story, you'll remember the story. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Now you remember the story of Zacchaeus where Jesus came over to eat at his house. And through the course of the meal, he became convicted of things and suddenly his perspective on what he should be doing with his money changed. And now he, he said, I've repented of what I have done before. And from this point forward, I'm going and I'm going to do the, the job I'm here to do the right way. I'm not going to use any dishonest gain. Perspective is important. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this household today. that's the second one the second handle see sometimes God can't pour out revelation to us because our perspective is locked in I desire it but I'm locked in on the perspective I can't see it I have to be finding a way to get my perspective to be able to be moved alright here's the third one third handle revelation is the first perspective is the second, or how I look at it. And the, the third is application, or what I can do with it. Application, how we put it to work. In Luke chapter 10, verse 17, then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, you remember, before this, Jesus had sent them out. He sent the 70 out and he said, go in the name of Jesus in my name cast out demons heal the sick and he gave them a list of things to do and they came back and they exclaimed lord even the demons are subject to us in your name and they came back with joy it said and they were glad well apparently they didn't go out with as much joy as they came back you see they they put what they were told they had the revelation they had the understanding. God, Jesus spoke it to them. You can do this. Go out and in my name, cast out demons. Heal the sick. He said to go out there and do it. They had the, His word to do it. But once they put the application in, they gained further understanding on this. And they were joyful. They were, they were glad. I don't know if you, I'm sure they don't do this song in, in too many places anymore, but some of you, you, uh, old timers like me. <laughs> you might remember this song from Sunday school. And there's this song and, you know, it's, I'll, I'll do the, the best that I can with it. But, um, uh, uh, it's a, it's a song about how to spell joy. Anybody remember that one? <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> how to, <laughs> Well, no, it wasn't that one. Not that one. Nah, not that one. Now I was, uh, I'm trying to, I had it in my head before. I'll get it, get it on back. But um what a wonderful way to spell joy. Jesus, and others, and then you. That's uh, never heard, how many never heard that song? Yeah, I figured that was as much. It's a, it's an old time, we used to do it all the time in Sunday school. Then I, I had it down pretty good. My daughter's nodding back there, so. You do it over there? Oh, look at that. If I did this last week, we would have had some people talking about it, huh? Yeah, you see, that changes your perspective. Because most people, it's not Jesus, others, and you. Most people's perspective is myself. And then others. And then God. They won't say that out loud, but that's generally their perspective. Now, of all those involved in the pursuit of truth... Well, if there's no, if there's no pursuit, there won't be any understanding. You've got to pursue it. Just because understanding can be out there doesn't mean it's going to come to you. You've got the seed. If you're going to get that understanding, you have got to pursue it. See, all these things we talked about, revelation, perspective, application, it all involves pursuit. The enemy comes to steal the word that is not accepted by the soil. You see, the soil adds protection to it. One of the things that's, that's not as uh, glaring in the second two accounts of the sower, but is in the Luke account, is when Luke says it's it's put on the wayside, he said not only did the birds come and eat it, but he said people trampled it. How many have ever had the seed of the Word of God that's been sown and you trampled by other people? People have, have uh, stomped on it. And you feel a little a little bad about not going after that thing, but you see the enemy of the seed of the of the seed cannot just steal it. he needs those who received it to not understand it i don't I don't understand it, and I'm not going to pursue the the truth. You see if I don't understand it. I'm either going to treat it as untruth or unnecessary. I'm going to do one or the other. Well, I understand that, but I just don't see that it really applies to me. I don't really see that I need to put that much time into this. This is not that big of a deal. So this is the first one in these. Is that the Word of God is sown in us, but we don't pursue it to the point to gain understanding. Now this applies to us because many times we have been told Jesus is our healer. But we don't pursue that to the degree that we need to. We don't have the understanding of it for what we need for what we're up against. Well, I know that. Alright, you know it but you don't understand it yet. There's more to it. There's more to the to the thing. I'll tell you this. The more understanding you have on any topic in the Word of God, the more you will desire to hear it. If you ever have anything in the Word of God that when somebody starts to teach on it, you say, I know that. Your understanding is down at the bottom. And whatever you have is not only able to be stolen, but probably has been. That's a great barometer. If if you are in a place where you say, oh, I have heard, here he is talking about words again. I've heard that stuff about words. I know that. It's been stolen from you is what has happened. Because if you have full, under, if you have a, some kind of understanding of this, as soon as you hear somebody teach, oh, I, I, I love this. I know I need more. I know that there is more that's out there. Because whatever you have understanding on, you will realize there is more to be understood. When we look out into the universe, and I love looking at the stars. I look in, love looking at pictures from the Hubble telescope, and um, and other things. I heard somebody recently took a picture of um, of a uh, a black hole. Anybody hear that? And I meant to go up and look for those pictures. I haven't found them yet, but I want to go up there and look at them. I'm just curious, you know, what would they take a picture of, <laughs> what's what's in there. I heard the first ever pictures of the of a black hole were taken. Uh, you know, you look at, at things like black holes and, and, and stars and nebulas and, and all these, and we have speculation about many of those things, but we don't have full understanding. And so for anyone who'd write a book and say, I understand everything there is about nebulas, you know, first off, that person is ignorant and doesn't know what they're talking about. Don't even bother buying the book. Because when we're looking at, at forces that are this large and so far away... There's no way we have full understanding of it. Now, there's, there's more for us to be understood. And generally, if you go through the, the, through history, when Newton came up with his theories and Galileo came up with his theories, and then people said, no, that's wrong. It's because, it's, it's not because they had great understanding. It's because what understanding they had was stolen from them. And they lacked it. So they try and squash everything else. You'll see the same thing here with the, with the um, uh, people that are predicting the end of the planet. I mean, how ignorant can you be to say we must leave a planet whose temperature is varying by one or two degrees to go to one who is two, three hundred degrees off of ours and we'll survive there. Whose atmosphere is nowhere close to what ours is and without great artificial means, no one could live there. How in the world can a sensible person feel that that's actually logical? I I I, I, sh- I shudder to think what the, uh, the ignorance that are these people. And of course, now you got other <coughs> ones that are coming up and everyone's always telling you 10, 12 years, 15 years, whatever it might be, and we're all going to be dead. No, we're not. <laughs> I read the Word of God. I believe the Word of God. I don't believe these people who shut off everybody else's uh, input and say, no, no, no. What you're believing is is, is wrong. Now, if, if you're going to be that way, you've closed yourself off the revelation. Don't close yourself off the revelation. If you hear somebody teaching on a topic, don't ever think, well, I've got full understanding of that. No, there's probably more that you have to get on it. Make sure that you get it. <clears throat> but here, I want to spend most of our time on verse 13 in Luke chapter 8 but the ones on the rock are those who when they hear receive the word with joy and these have no root who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away so these are ones in which the seed was protected there was some understanding of it and it wasn't trampled and it wasn't stolen by the birds. But the ones on the rock or the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. Let me read a couple of other versions of this. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 20, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. In Mark chapter 4, verse 16, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. A lot of similarities between these. Emphasizing much of the same thing. When they hear, they receive it with joy. Two versions say they receive it with joy. One says they received it with gladness. Now think of a truth that you've received with joy. I left a little bit of blank space right there in your outline. I'm not going to fill that one in. That's for you to fill in. Think of a truth that when you heard it, you received it with joy. I'll give you a couple. How about Jesus is our healer? How about the benefit of speaking in tongues? How about speaking to mountains? How many were glad when you got to hear that you could speak to mountains and they would be moved? Have a power over the enemy? How many, when you first heard that you had power over the enemy, you got glad? How about the love of God for you? How many of you became joyful when you heard how great God's love was towards you? And we can keep on going with different ones. But we, we were glad when we first read this. When we first heard this, when Revelation came to us, that Jesus is our healer. Oh, look at the benefits of praying in tongues. Look at, we can speak to mountains and they will move. And we were glad and we walked out in that teaching for a while. But then we didn't see the result. Sickness and disease became rampant in my body. I spoke to mountains and they stayed. I stopped speaking in tongues for whatever reason. Just didn't pursue it as much as I used to. Different things. See, we received it with joy. We were glad. But we didn't endure. We didn't stay with it. Now, Matthew put it this way. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 13 in verse 5. This is in the actual giving of the parable. This is how Jesus uh, told it to them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth, no place, basically, well, let's put it to you this way. How many have ever planted a seed or been in one of those places where they have the soil and they put the seed in, to have glass and you can watch the seed grow. Ever seen that? What direction does the seed grow when it first germinates? Every single seed does the same thing. It goes down. The first thing a seed is programmed to do is to send roots down. That's the first thing it does. Before you ever see anything spring up, the first thing you will see is it go down. If you don't believe me, go up on YouTube and you can do a search there. I'm sure that somebody has done a YouTube time lapse photography. And you can just go up there and watch it. But look at what Jesus says here in Matthew. And they immediately sprang up. He gives a reason for it. Because they had no depth of earth. So the seed is programmed to go down. But because there was no earth to go down in. The seed sprang up. But that's not what the seed is programmed to do. Now you look at that, you'll see a nice, uh, stalk coming up there. You'll see, it looks, it looks good. But it's not right. It doesn't have the, the depth of earth. There's no place for the root to grow. You see, this is what happens with a lot of Christians. This is what he's telling you. Well, a lot of Christians, when they hear the word that they, that they like, Jesus is the healer, speak to the mountain, whatever it might be, they like it and they immediately go out and they, they do it. Because we like to see the plant on the top. We don't concern ourselves with the root on the bottom. But Jesus is very focused on the root because he said, the first thing you have to be aware of is that the enemy wants the seed. And he's going to try and prevent you from understanding it. One of the things he's going to get you to do is not spend any time on it, not think about it. He's going to try and cloud the issue. He's going to get people to trample on the seed that you've got. What do you mean Jesus is the healer? What do you mean speak to a mountain? I don't see any mountains going anywhere. When was the last time you saw a mountain move? They'll trample on the seed. But here's the second thing he, he warns about. And that is that you're going to try and walk it out before you let it become rooted. Now the enemy will encourage encourage you in this because if you do, you will probably fail and failure can lead to discouragement. Have you ever talked to someone about Jesus being the healer? Oh yeah, yeah, I heard that before. We tried walking in that. You ever heard things like that? They got discouraged. You see, they're one of those people who got the understanding and sprang up instead of down, and they had no root to endure. Now, I've taught this parable a number of times. I don't always give you examples of this, and so as we're going through this, is that we need to we need to go over some examples. I'm going to give you an example of someone who was this kind of soil with the word of God that he was given. And uh, Daryl, I think I uh, pulled up our our scripture for us because I didn't write it down in my in my um, outline here. I was thinking about it and didn't uh, and didn't put it in there. So we just had them pull it on up. So let's let's go over there in Matthew chapter 14. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, "It is a ghost," and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be a good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now hold on a minute before we go any further. They saw something on the water that they did not understand and they came to a conclusion. How many times have you seen something happen in your life that you don't understand and the devil comes right along and offers you a conclusion? It's not right. But they, they, uh, they took hold of it. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I do not be afraid. Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, began to sink, cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Hmm. Now, he had the word of God. The word of God was come. Now, he had a desire to walk in the water. He had that desire uh, as soon as he saw Jesus out there. He's going to go walk in the water. But he knows he needs the word from Jesus in order to be able to do it. So he says, Jesus, bid me to come. Tell me to come. So Jesus says, at that moment, Peter has the ability to walk on water. Up until then, he didn't. If he would have jumped out of the boat before Jesus had come, he would have sunk. Because he didn't have word to to stand on. But Jesus said, come, now he's got word. And so he took that word and he jumped out of the boat. And look at this. Let's go back to verse 30 again. But when he saw... That the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, saying, Lord, save me. He was walking on the water. People aren't supposed to walk on water, but he was doing it. The other disciples were in the boat, they weren't walking on water, but he was. And he was doing just fine until what? Till he began to look at the wind and the waves, began to think, I'm not really supposed to be able to do this. But he was doing it. He began to come, become fearful. What happens if I, if I sink? I could drown in this, in this tempest. He began to think about all these, these things. And so what happened to him? He sank. He had the ability to walk on water. He had actually already walked on the water. He was successful in doing what Jesus said to do. But then, because he didn't stay with it. Now with that in mind, let's go back to Luke eight thirteen but the ones on the rock these are those these are those who when they hear what did Peter hear? come receive the word with joy how many of you if you were Peter you received that with joy glory to God I get to come he jumps out of the boat but they have no root who believe for a while did he not believe for a while he was walking on the water for a little while And in time of temptation fell away. What was the temptation? To doubt, to fear. He gave in to the temptation. Why? Because his faith wasn't rooted. Now go back over to, to Matthew. Go back to verse 31. And look at Jesus says to him. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. And he said to him, O you... Of little faith, why did you doubt? Now when he was teaching on the mustard seed faith, he said, if you have a little faith, you can move mountains. Oh, you of little faith. So apparently, he had little faith, he could have moved mountains, and he was walking on the water. But, Jesus then said, why did you doubt? and this is where we come into the problem we have not let the word of God root on the inside of us and when the temptations come when our wind and our waves come against us in our life we begin to fear and we are pulled from walking on the water to going under When we heard, we received it with joy. Glory to God. I know I am healed of this thing. I know it. You see, it's easy to try and walk in what we've heard without understanding it to the degree we need to understand it. Peter didn't need more understanding to do it. He needed more understanding to walk in it. Can you see the difference in that? He did it. Now you think back on your life. How many of you have believed God for a healing and were healed? And then lost it. I thought I was healed of this but they came back it came back whatever it might be the teaching here that Jesus is doing the teaching here is to get deep roots for the purpose of being able to endure that's his purpose you need to get some deep roots so that when the word that is in you and it is being successful attracts attention, you will be able to hold off the forces that will come against you to get you to be tempted. To go in a wrong direction. Peter didn't. Peter went down. Now, I must have faith teaching a a seed is programmed to root first. It's the first thing it's supposed to do is to root. We tend to want to see the plant. How many of you, when you put a seed in the ground, in a little flower pot, you put a seed in the ground, how many of you want to see the roots? How many of are sitting there, root, 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 root? No. We don't want to get excited until we see what? We want to see something coming up. Just because it has roots, we get no excitement out of that. I want to see plant. And then I want to see flowers or or fruit or you know tomatoes or peppers or whatever it is that you're you're planting. You don't want to see root unless you're planting carrots. Well, one of the things I learned in from from this particular teaching and others in the in the Word of God is not to poison the seed. Don't poison the seed. Too many times, folks, we've got the seed in the ground and we aren't helping it. In the mustard seed teaching that Jesus did, we were going over some principles in, in that See, faith is not increased because someone decrees it. Faith is increased because as a mustard seed grows, so grows your faith. If you want to increase it, it has to grow. It can't just be decreed. It has to grow. So we've got to grow that faith. Got to keep it going. But there are some things that people do. Christian people, people who desire to receive the thing they're believing for. Mountains to be moved, healing, whatever it might be. They desire it. But they're poisoning the seed. Messing with the soil. These are all things that the Word of God tells us to do, but sometimes we don't always draw the conclusion that they have to do with each other. So here's some things. First off, be watchful of your thoughts. Be watchful of your thoughts. If you have a little... How many have ever... I'm sure everybody has done this at least at one point. At least you did it in elementary school if you haven't done it as an adult. You take those little flower pots and you plant the, the seeds you want. You want some marigolds, you want some flowers. You start them inside because it's too early to start them outside and you want to be able to take them outside. You want some some plants. You don't want to go to the store and buy the full grown ones in the store because that'll cost you a couple more bucks. How many done that? Save some money, plant the seeds. You know, I'm not one to save money. I'd rather just go out there, buy the plant, put it in the ground, and we're good to go. That's me. <clears throat> My wife, she likes to plant the seeds. we got them all over the, the, the dining room table. can't use the dining room table because you've got seeds all over the dining room table. <laughs> Every day you've got to go out there and you've got to water them seeds. You've got to turn them around because they're all trying to grow to the sun side. You've got to keep turning them. You've got to keep doing other things. But, you know, we've got grandkids now and the grandkids came over and they were planting the seeds. They had a great time with it and they love seeing those things um, grow up. And for no other reason, that's worth it. Even if we take all the seeds after they grow up and throw them away and go out and buy plants. <laughs> that's probably worth it just for that, for that part because they, they like to do it. But if you got those, those seedlings and they're only an inch tall, and one of those little children goes over to the plant and they start playing in the soil and digging it up with their finger, they can create some damage, can't they? In fact, in just a short bit of time, they can undo what has been going on for a couple weeks. So you may take that plant and try and recoup it and plant it back in the soil. How many have ever done that? Anybody ever done that? How successful is it? It's not good. The success rate of replanting a seedling is very low. And we all know that. We all know that if I take that little seedling and try and plant it in there, and no matter what I do with it, more than likely most of them are going to die, because they've been stirred up. And yet in the things of the spirit, we do exactly the same thing and expect it to live. Because you see, the word of God says, don't let your thoughts go in a bad direction. Don't let them go there at all. He says, don't be anxious for anything. Don't be given over to worry. Do not fear. And we have examples of Jairus when the bad news comes and Jesus immediately turns to him and says, do not fear. We know all these stories. And yet, when we are presented with the same opportunity, we give in to fear, worry, anxiety, doubt, unbelief. And our thoughts are taken over with these things. And it's just like taking your finger into those little seedlings and stirring them up. Digging them out. Well, I'll just replant it. We'll replant it and expect it is to, gonna go on to work. Don't poison the seeds. Don't mess them up. Be watchful of your thoughts. Secondly, be watchful of your words. be watchful of your words now I'm going to share with you a story about all this that I was not planning on sharing with you for a while longer but I'll share it with you not yet see be watchful of your thoughts this is a 24 hour a day job You cannot be watchful of your thoughts for all but one hour and have success. The Word of God doesn't say be anxious for almost nothing. It says be anxious for nothing. It says get rid of most of the fear in your life. He says do not fear. In fact, one place he says do not fear or have any anxiety about anything. That's pretty clear. (laughs) So, be watchful of your thoughts. Be watchful of your words. Here's the next next one. You're all going to be mad at me for this one. Be watchful of your emotions. Because your emotions are going to try and get you. It's going to try and tug at you. And your emotions are powerful. How many of you ever watched a movie? And the movie is written in such a way that the villain is almost winning you over, <laughs> and you're sitting there. I don't know. I I kind of like this villain. I kind of want to want to pull for him a little bit here. I, I'm not liking the other guy. I like this one. See, that's all how they how they write it. But you see, your emotions can be. I know I shouldn't like him, <clears throat> but I do. Your emotions can pull you over. <clears throat> Here's the fourth one. Be watchful of your thoughts, be watchful of your words, be watchful of your emotions and be watchful of your actions. Be watchful of the things that you do. Now you see, this has direct application because there's a lot of people that are believing God for certain things in their life and the reason that they don't have it is because they are soil number two. But I've got a plant. Look at the plant. Look at the thing growing here. Your soil number two. Because when we look at the teaching of Jesus, what is more important than the plant is the roots. And the enemy has an easy time of getting us to not care about the roots. Go ahead and be anxious. Go ahead and be worried a little bit. It's all right. Let it out. Go ahead and talk to your spouse and your friends about your fears and your anxieties. Just go ahead and talk it out. Get it off your chest. It's all right for you to feel that emotion. It's all right for you to be angry. It's all right for you to be hurt. It's all right for you to be discouraged. Go find someone and talk it out with them. Throw some things. Get it out of your system. This is what we're told. And some people do it. But you see, if you are going to Hold on to the Word of God. There is no room for this now. If you, I, I know I've heard this before. If you are going to believe big, you are going to have big obstacles. If you are going to believe big, you are going to have big obstacles that will come against you. Don't you know that Peter believing that I can walk on water is a big thing? So big stuffs coming after him. Jesus believing that He could be the Savior of the world, that's a big belief. Big stuff is going to come after Him. The bigger you're going after something, the bigger the opposition is going to be coming against you. And the only way that you can defend yourself, according to Jesus and His teaching, the only way you can defend yourself is if your roots go down deep. That's it. Don't compare plants. Jesus compares roots. And if the soil is such that allows for the roots to go down, sees the importance of the roots going down. It isn't just joyful in the beginning, but stays with it. But see, this is, this is a tough thing for some people. And there's lots of people who want to trample on your seed. Now, see, I've shared with you, I, I, I like to share with you the, the things I face that are, that are problems as well as the things that I face that are victories. And so over the last uh, number of years, i share shared with you some, some physical struggles that I've had. And um, I don't tell you to the degree that they are, I really don't tell anybody to the degree that they are. At least not until it's over. There's just no, <laughs> there's no reason to to uh, to keep going at it. To keep going, uh, just to to keep rehashing the stuff. But I told you before my hip was in uh, bad enough shape, one doctor told me, don't run again. That's his words to me, he just flat out said, don't do it. And another one said, I think he can. But I was going to a to a chiropractor, and he was working on it, and he said, "Your hip is so inflamed." I don't know if I ever shared this with you. I don't share it with too many people. It is so inflamed I can't work on it. You see, I can barely touch it without sending you through the roof. Now, see, we in a, we have a competition. He and I. He tries to make me scream, and I and I go about not doing it. He and the other chiropractor and Eric it. did you get him to did you get him to say lighten up? No, I didn't get him to say it. I said, You're not going to either. I said, give me all the pain you want. It's fine. And he said, it was so inflamed. He said, I can't do stuff with it. Now I don't know if you know if you've ever been to a chiropractor, but they like natural healing type of, of things. And I told him, I says, Well, the one doctor wants, wants to give me a hip injection. And he his first thing right out of his mouth was do it, no hesitation, do it. I said, you're telling me to do it? He says, do it, get that injection. Well see, I don't go because the doctor says it, I'm going because my spirit says it. And so in my spirit, I, f- I felt it was good, go out there and get the get the injection. So I got the hip injection, I go way down to Philly because it was not just a simple injection, it was um, a little more involved and only a few people are actually able to, to do this particular type of injection. And they needed some extra uh, equipment in order to be able to pull it off, and make sure they got done right. So uh, they did it, and they they got it done, and and so um, then we went on, and uh, it took care of, I would say, at least half of the inflammation, knocked it right out, and uh, he was able to, to do some work on it, and I was able to do some things, and so we were. I was doing cycling. I did a lot of cycling as part of the rehab. So I would cycle around and I would do stuff, but you know, I like cycling. I think I shared that with you. I like cycling, but I love running. <laughs> running was my reward for the day. Cycling, it's like, well, I'll find a way to fit it in. And so, but I kept doing it because this is part of the, part of the rehab. And so we're going on through and he's, he's working at very painful sessions in the chiropractor, uh, spot to, uh, he, he put all his weight into, into work because he work on it now. He put all his weight into it. He says, I'm putting everything I can into this. And, uh, he would have to tell me every once in a while, I said, breathe. <laughs> He's just say, you know, breathe. And so, oh yeah, I forgot to do that. <laughs> Take a breath in. And, uh, he'd work on it. He always, always tell me, "So make sure whenever Steve comes in, make sure I have a full 20 minutes with him. Usually they had 10 to 15 minutes. I need an extra time with him. We gotta, we gotta work on it. I always came in early in case he had extra time. He could just, uh, uh, work on it. So he came to me another time. He says, uh, have you thought about the second injection? And I says, yeah, I thought about it. He says, well, get it. It'll help you out. I said, I didn't feel in my spirit to do it. So I didn't do it. Every time I would go to him, he kept saying, did you get the second injection? No, I didn't get it. And he kept encouraging me to go out there and get it. But I didn't feel in my spirit to get it. That's what you have to go by. the, The thing is what's in your, what's in your spirit. Well, after a number of months of doing the number of different rehab things and stuff, I went out and I, I did some, strung some runs together. Nothing big, two miles, two miles here, two miles there, and after the third one, it was, the pain was too bad, I had to stop. So I hung it up for a little while. Went back to doing the cycling, went back to doing the stretching, went back to doing all the stuff I do in rehab, and kept doing the stuff. My chiropractor was saying that not you get the second injection, don't feel it in my spirit to get the second injection, so I didn't get the second injection, never did. And so, um, kept doing the cycling all through the winter. I'm cycling. I'd rather run in the winter because it's a little dangerous out there this, on the bike. We're, we're out there on the, on the 202 bypass and I picked up a buddy of mine. His name is Rob. And we only met each other once. And we encourage each other to, um, to ride when the conditions are of such that no one else will. And we were up there with some high winds that were blowing us off the road and he, I mean, blowing you off the road. It was just, I had a hard time keeping the bike tires on the, on the path. But, uh, he had already, he said, are you going out? I said, yeah, I'm going out. I wasn't going to until he said so. <laughs> but, you know, I, he said to build up some, some toughness to it. And so we, we went on out there and we were going out when there's snow on the, on the ground. And, um and I, uh, he, he wrote me back one time. He says, were those your tire tracks on the?" He says, yeah, they were mine. I says, I was wondering where you were. I said, now I know you went out after me. He usually was out before me. I so we're, we're out encouraging each other, going on this, this sort of thing. But we kept doing that. And so then um, I felt like it was time, and so I picked up running again. And so I ran a couple of times, and the pain got bad, and I quit. Now, you see, the, this is what will happen if you're not rooted in this this is what will happen the temptation will come and you'll poison the seed you see the thing I had to guard against is in my thoughts to not entertain you will never run again I'm not telling you those thoughts didn't come I'm saying I didn't entertain them even though I'd I'd get up in the morning and you're a cyclist now you're not a runner I am not. I am a runner who rides a bike. I tell myself that I am a runner who rides a bike. You haven't run in a long time. Doesn't matter. I'm still I am a runner who rides a bike. And so um, I kept riding the bike. I kept doing the things that I had to, that I knew to do. Two times I already failed. So I we we set out to, to do it again. And so, eventually, in um, April, I went out again. Just two miles. Just two miles, and did pretty good. Did pretty good on that one. And then um, I just did one run in a week. I did all the rest of the cycling. And then the next week, I did a little bit more. And did good. And then the next week, I did three runs. And got the mileage up to. It was you know pretty pretty small. It was only about twelve miles in the, the whole whole week. But it was it was better, and then the next week I got up to 15. Then I got up to 20. It's going back out to the group runs, and get to to see all the the guys are out there, and uh, I was running. But it's at, I tell you all this. Um, I'm still still cycling, but now I'm able to run four or five days out of the week, 20 25 miles a week. It's not where I was at before, but sure is a whole lot better and every once in a while I may still feel something in the hip but you see I got to keep the soil good the temptation is to fear the temptation is to doubt but don't do it now when I set out in this, this uh, sometime a long time ago I set out with this, this purpose this is the purpose I said Father God you're going to teach me some things in this area of healing to help people that are facing things that are long term get over them. I said, I will learn them. I will walk in them and then I'll teach them. I really wasn't, I was going to have a couple more months of of running underneath my belt before this, but it's, uh, it tied in too much of what we were doing with the seed faith. You need to not poison the seed. And I hear it more from people than I ever did before, of the poisoning of the seed that we're doing. I'll hear them say all the negative things about their condition, but God is my healer. That's like taking the finger in the soil and digging up all the seedlings and then trying to replant them. It doesn't work. You see, every time a thought came to me, you will never run again. Now you say, why in the world do you have to run again? I was, I'll tell you one of the reasons I have to run again. It's not just because I love it. We had a, a a bunk bed delivery. I had two of them in the same day. And the one was the heaviest bunk bed I have. It's heavy. And it went up not only a, a set of flights to get up to the house and then more stairs in, inside. And so I'm hauling all this stuff up into the, into the, uh, inside. And when I finally got it there and got it all set up, I mean, it is, it is heavy to set up. It's just a heavy, heavy deal, and so we got it all set up and got it done. Had to head on back home and load up a second bed, and then take it out. It was not the heaviest; it was the second heaviest on that one, and then haul that one up the steps. And for the first time, I came back. This was on a Saturday. I remember it was on a on a Saturday. It was on a Saturday, and I came back, and I was so exhausted. I don't get exhausted from stuff like this. I was so exhausted I sat down on this the, the sofa. I'm going to sleep. And went to sleep for the walk. It took me a, a couple hours to actually recover from the, the whole thing. I said, man, I don't take a couple hours to recover from this. But you see, cycling doesn't do it. Like the, the, the running stuff does. So I need, need to get myself in, in shape to handle all these, these kind of things. But I tell you all this to help you with, with this part. When you're going to sleep at night, when you wake up in the morning and the enemy tries to tempt you, with the thought, you will not get what you're believing for, you need to stop it. don't poison the seed. Where most people have had done I forget where do we, we were in one place, either it was a Thursday night because worship team you know we have some fun there on the worship team. we talk about some stuff, and i don 't always remember if it's Thursday night or Wednesday night because some of those nights we get to talking about some things, but the emphasis of most Christians is on the speaking to the mountain but that's not where the emphasis is in the word of God the emphasis in the word of God is don't pollute the soil we spend more time speaking to the mountain and less time protecting the soil when what you need to do is protect the roots that's what you need to do That's where most of your time should be spent. How many times did Jesus condemn the fig tree? One time. One time. But we wake up in the morning. I speak against whatever it is. I'll tell you this about the hip. I did not wake up every day and, and condemn the hip. I did not take authority over the pain. I did not command healing into my body. What I did was I protected the soil. And I thought, thankful thoughts, Father God, I thank you. I am going to run again. Anytime a temptation came to think something different, I am going to run again. You can call as witnesses every single member of my family. They will all tell you, I never one time said, I won't run. Never one time. I didn't speak it I didn't think it because I knew to protect the soil. Your emotions can get involved because if it's something that you really like to do, you want to get out there and do it. I didn't let my emotions get involved. they They got involved, but I didn't let them sway me. I'm not moved by the emotions. And every single action I did, why are you riding today? I'm riding because I'm getting back into running. Why are you stretching this out? I'm stretching because I'm getting back into running. Why are you doing this? Because I am going to run. Protect the soil. Now we're still in the faithfulness the series. And here's where it all ties down to this. We have not been faithful with the word that we've been given. We let it go. God has given us the word I am your healer and at first opportunity to believe a bad report I drop it I am not faithful with that with that understanding the Word of God says you can move mountains and as soon as a mountain gets in my way I become fearful afraid and begin to doubt This is not a part-time gig you are a full-time believer. When you wake up, when you go to work, when you come home, when you're at work, when you're on lunch, when you go to bed, when you're sleeping, no matter what, you are a full-time believer. You gotta protect the soil. Don't be soil number two. Don't be one of those ones who's all real glad, all oh, glory to God. I got healed, Jesus spoke to me. <laughs> Don't do it. Brother Jolly even one time on, on Sunday morning, I still remember that Sunday morning, spoke to me about it. He says, you will, you will run. I appreciate hearing that. Keep going back to what the what does the Word of God say? What Does the Word of God say you're going to be free of this condition? Then every time your body tells you something different, you don't believe it. You don't let your emotions carry you there. You don't let your thoughts go in that direction. You stay in the direction that says I am and you fill in the blank. What is it that you have been having the most difficulty with? You got people that are around you that are talking down. They are telling you that the words that you're believing, that the words that you're hearing, they're not true. You gotta be careful how much you let those people in your life. I'm not saying you can't block them out, but you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful what you share with them. Don't feel like you gotta share everything. Well, I don't like, that's not necessarily the way I'm going, and just toss it out. I put this in your outline for you. Don't hear contrary words or make contrary declarations. Well, if this doesn't get fixed, I don't know what I'm going to do. If this doesn't change, I'm just going to give up. Don't make those kind of declarations. It's more important to bless what is good and desired than curse what is evil or unwanted. Stay with the important part. It is more important to bless what is good and desired than curse what is evil or unwanted. Now see we get held through here, and it's already noon, and I didn't even get into one of the one of the key words in here. But I sort of figured there'd be a second part to this for for next week because there there's still two more soils to go into, and I I want to look at them a little differently than we have looked at them before. But that word there for endure it is not a normal word for endure. But if you want to find out what it is you'll have to come back next week. You see failure to root threatens your face, very existence. Don't just jump and face battles. Take your time. Let the seed root and become established. Brother Hagen. I've shared this story with you a number of times. When he got that letter about his daughter Pat having that growth. He didn't answer right away. He waited three days meditating on the scripture. Letting that root get established. And then he wrote. This is the man who's laying hands on people at every service to be healed. He took time. He let it root. It's more important that you develop the roots than you grow the plant. You're going to grow some plants, but it's even more important that you develop the roots. Meditate on it. And we'll get into some things on how to, how to develop the, the roots. But if you'll just stay with these things, you will help yourself out tremendously. Guard your thoughts. Guard your words. Don't take a Don't take anything off. Don't speak out of your mouth words that are against where it is that you're going. Not at one time. Don't think thoughts that are against where you see God taking you. Don't don't have thoughts of bewilderment. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yes, I do. I'm going to do what the Word of God said to do. But it's not working. How do you know it's not working? Peter is walking on the water and the devil is telling him he can't do it. He is walking on the... Get that in your head. He is walking on the water and the devil is telling him he can't do it. And he believed him. (laughs) Now, just think about this. You were walking on your water and you let the enemy tell you you couldn't do it and you gave up just enough of me glory to God Father I thank you that you love us that you care for us greatly thank you that your love is so overwhelming the devil constantly tries to sell us in the fact that you don't care but we know that you do so much so that you count the hairs on our head and if you feed the birds whom Jesus didn't die for how much more will you feed and clothe us Father we have a a lot to learn about that love that you have for us because we've still been fertile ground for the enemy to say God doesn't care Father, what you have promised us in your word, you will deliver. It took Abraham 25 years to get to that place. Israel 40. But they got there. Doesn't have to take us that long. But you have the patience to wait 25 years, 40 years, whatever it might be. Because it's important that the roots be established. Because the taller the plant, the more winds it absorbs, and the more roots it needs. Thank you, Father, that you help us. Now, with every head bowed, no one looking around, I saw your hands here before, but I want you to raise them up now. How many of you have something in mind right now? Hasn't come to you. You know the word of God has promised it to you. But more often than not, it seems like you've lost the battle in attaining it than on the way to victory. Raise your hand. Father, you see these hands that are raised. My prayer for them this week is that through your word and through the voice of your spirit, you speak to each one of these, build their hope, the hope that is on the word of God for what is to come. No matter how many times Abraham fell into the place of disbelief, you brought him back to the place of faith. You can do the same for us. You took him out and had him count the sand or the stars. You didn't give up on him because he lost faith a few times. You stayed with him you knew that what was ahead for him was big and he needed to be bigger and you stayed with him. And Father, you'll stay with us. No matter what it is that we want, no matter what it is that you have shown us to pursue in your word, you are big enough to accomplish it. So this week, I pray, for each person here and raise their hand that hope is restored that desire that fire that had gone out because of the failures Father you will rekindle and help us to get on the track see this thing accomplished that it too will come to pass Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Marguerite, you're on this. Good morning, everyone. Um, I speak a hearty good morning to you here and those that are watching by way of Internet. We are just so grateful to be here today. We thank God that His Word continually, um, blesses us and gives us insight for each one of us into what we face. And for each one, it's different. You know, we, um, our personalities are different, uh, our backgrounds are different and God gives, He has given us His Word and His Word will meet us wherever we are, and I've found that, um, like Pastor Steve was saying, as we encounter, and each of us will encounter, have encountered, will continue to encounter as life goes on, different things in our lives, that I'm feeling the, uh, the benefit of being among a congregation and under teaching that when, faith would start to waver that um not a whole sermon will come to mind but that because we are in this corporate environment of being taught properly to rely on God's word that things that would really just try to wipe me out i sense that strength and i'm able to instead of say well what am i going to do about this to say um, that is coming to pass. That is going to happen. And it's just so encouraging to hear that taught today because it's just its a combination of the teaching that we are receiving that I know that is growing and uh, just starting to flourish and be alive in my spirit. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, if the enemy can get us into a place of discouragement, um, our victory can be right there. But if he gets us into a place of discouragement, the example that Pastor Steve gave about we're just digging up what has already been planted and is really beginning to to grow, and we're not, unfortunately, we can't see it like that plant, you know, see the greenery on the top of the plant and see that we are doing more damage than good. So as we're being taught this is how we're disturbing that seed, and we can take that in. And we're stronger today than we were when we walked in because we are hearing the teaching, and we can absorb that and we can um, be obedient to god's word through the teaching that we have we are being so blessed with here today and so um, I know um i'm not the only one that is really being blessed by that it 's just so encouraging um, I'd like to say uh, a hearty Happy Mother's Day to each of you here that are mothers, and I was thinking about that. Um, sometimes uh, some of our, our females, you may not be a, a maternal mother, you know, have birthed a child, but your encouragement to people and the way that you have shown kindness, you have shown those instincts of a mother. So uh, some people might say, well, oh, I don't have uh, a child that I have birthed into the world, but you may be very, very surprised that you have provided those, uh, those benefits to some person that has been able to take that and grow. So I just say happy Mother's Day to you all. And I just feel so blessed, um, for my children and, um, for my daughter-in-law. I have to say that, uh, I am just so blessed. Um, and I thank God for each one of you that are also experiencing similar things. Um, today, uh, we'd like to just, uh, stand I'd like to say stand with Sister Candy as far as her husband um, for his strength and his energy. The doctors thinks that he's anemic and um, uh, different things are still trying to manifest in his body, but we hold fast to, by his stripes, he is healed. And so when we think of Brother Bobby, we think um, thoughts of, Encouragement and um, are just really looking for him to be in the word and surrounding himself with the word because that word works. I mean, it has worked. It it it's something that is never going to return void. So we stand with Sister Candy and Brother Bobby, and continually to uh, be encouraged that his healing, we've called it forth, and we are learning how to protect that seed and um we we just encourage you today um sister barbara um we just um thank god for her and um just stand with her and that her body um not feeling very good today but we thank god that she knows the word and we stand with her in our prayers around her and just to encourage her that God's healing power is continually working in our lives as long as we don't put the, the the stops on it as far as things that we can do. So we thank God for each and every one of you. I mean, you all are such an encouragement to me, and I'm so grateful uh, to be in this congregation and um, to be under this teaching because it has really been a blessing to me. Um, today, after service, we uh, are and the ladies are invited to join in the children's church for refreshments and Mother's Day activities. So again, um, we say, you know, Happy Mother's Day to you all! And go. It's a little rainy out, but this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and re- be glad in it. So uh, greet one another as we leave. And-